Let's start off this hour talking about Holcomb's agenda. In it, he calls for $160 million in the state's budget to abolish a textbook fee. Indiana is one of seven states where students pay for textbooks. Ending that fee has been an agenda item for more than 20 years now without success. It's been a priority for the Democrats. Let's say whose priority it has been. And so this is another primo example of what I call legalized vote buying. And what I mean by that is Eric Holcomb is proposing, as he does, and again, we talked about his agenda is the Democrat agenda. The Eric Holcomb agenda, of which the Republican Party throughout his entire six years in office has rolled over and played dead, is the Democrat agenda. And on every single topic, it involves two things. You pay more and government gets bigger and more expensive. And that's what he is proposing here. Now, when he, when he says $160 million, Casey, mm-hmm. you might as well just multiply that by 10 because he's proposing something that never stops. It's no different than the, the Obamacare, which they don't have the guts to call it Obamacare. They call it HIP 2.0. Mm-hmm. Obamacare that the Republicans enacted, the state-run health program. It never stops. So whatever number they give you, just go ahead and multiply it by 10, because once they give you, air quote, free textbooks, which, by the way, they ain't fair. They ain't free. There's not a magic textbook fairy who is going to drop pallets of textbooks at at, uh, educational institutions across this state. No, you are paying. That is so offensive when they talk about free textbooks. That is so offensive. He is taking money from people and giving it to people who, who don't earn it, which is the way of the Indiana Republican Party. Think about this, Casey. If you really wanted to help people, and we're about to play the voicemails, mm-hmm. and Abdul's about to talk to somebody uh, for his show coming up this weekend, and we'll have it on Statehouse Happenings and talk with Abdul about it tomorrow, about what is happening with property taxes. Everybody knows it's happening. There's no way Holcomb is not aware. There's no way the Republican supermajorities aren't aware. If you want to help middle class people, if it's about helping the downtrodden, if it's about helping the middle class, the number one thing you could do to reduce is reduce their burden to live in their home or their apartment or whatever it is. He could universally help every single person he claims to want to help. He's not mentioning it. He's not lifting a finger to do anything about it. It's not on his agenda. He is avoiding it like the plague because he doesn't really want to help you. What he wants to do is take money from you and then give it to people to buy their votes. Okay, so is this part of the retooling of education K through 12 that we keep hearing more about and reworking high school in the state of Indiana? What does that even mean? Think about every single budget. They throw billions with a B. I'm not talking millions. Billions with a B at public education. And there's always colossal problems with it. No matter how much money they throw at this problem, it will never be solved. It is not a resources problem. It is an allocation of resources problem. And no matter what the teachers union, who Holcomb's totally in bed with, no matter what they get, it will never be enough. And yet, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Four months from now, when we are done, you will not see any meaningful solution to the property tax crisis, but you will see these Republicans roll over time and again on the majority of Holcomb's economic agenda. This is the same thing that happened with the gas tax last fall, summer, fall, whenever that was. Remember that when it was like, well, gas is really high. We need to do something. Hey, how about you suspend the gas tax that you've enacted and raised every single year, which is one of the highest in the nation? Well, we can't do that. How about we give you $200? Well, you're sitting on $1,500 of our money. Well, how about we give you $200? How about you suspend the gas tax? Can't do that. Who would fix the roads? Same thing here. It is about legalized vote buying. It is about growing government 
government. It will never be enough money. And Casey, why should you mm-hmm. pay for my future kids' textbooks? Well, I was thinking about that because I recall every year at the beginning of the year, I would have to cut a check for about $200 to pay for school supplies and books and things like that. And then I thought, okay, there's the Chromebook, which came out, but then you have to pay for the digital download version of the textbook. Right. Uh, and Eric Holcomb just sent out a press release yesterday saying, first and foremost, we will we will protect our fiscal strength of Indiana. So by protecting the fiscal strength of the state, he's going to make us pay more money. Well, it is, it, it, so let's just think through this. Let's take Rob Kendall's utter loathing of Eric Holcomb out of the equation here. All right. So can you think of anything that government is fully involved in, in terms of paying the tab, that is affordable and Mm -hmm. easy to navigate. I'm asking this to every person hearing us from Ohio to Illinois and all points in between. Can you think about any program, because that's what Holcomb is proposing, that Mm -hmm. government take over the tab Mm -hmm. and be in complete control of this process. Is there anything that government is in complete control of and pays the tab that is efficient and cost-effective and easy to navigate? No, that's the answer we're looking for. No. So now what Holcomb's doing is taking any of the citizen accountability part of this out of the equation. It is the healthcare industry, right? It is becoming somebody on government-run healthcare all over again. How does that work out for people? Now, if you're the textbook company, now you're in bed with the politicians. You're cutting big checks to Eric Holcomb. You're cutting big checks to the statehouse people. You're cutting big checks to school board candidates. You're cutting big checks to education foundations to get these superintendents on your side because there's no price control now other than the government. Well, I was going to say, what's the incentive of the textbook? company to make a cheaper textbook now now all of a sudden they're using high gloss paper and heavy card stock absolutely and because the government's paying for it let's say you're a kid you've got a kid who is taking what do they call dual credits or college level courses Mm -hmm. ap classes now it has been 15 years since or 14 years since i've been in college but i'm gathering that it is still college textbooks are more expensive (laughs) than High school textbooks. Yeah. So am I forced to pay not only for base textbooks, science, math, reading, high school level, am I also forced to pay for the kids' college-level textbook? And you know it won't stop. You know the next argument's going to be, well, the computer is more important than the textbook, so why don't we buy everyone a computer? It will not end. It will not stop. And that is the goal of Holcomb and the Republicans. There is no difference. How many times do I have to tell you people? There is no difference. How many times do you have to hit be hit right between the eyes before you realize, damn, he's right. <laughs> it is 12 minutes after 10. He's Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. And it's not the only thing that Eric Holcomb has been busy working well, on. very, working very hard. Uh, there's also a bill to declare the breaded tenderloin as Indiana's official state sandwich. Oh, what? Well, hot dang. You have a problem with the pork tenderloin sandwich? Let me see here. Whisk the eggs, buttermilk, garlic, one teaspoon, salt, pepper. You put the cayenne in there uh-huh, and you yeah. got crush the crackers. I don't know. I I think this is great, Rob. When you go to the state fair and you mm-hmm. get that pork and it overhangs from the bun and it's juicy and it, it's comfort food. In fact, I think Eric Holcomb nailed it on this one. We all need some comfort food. Finally, rally around the pork tenderloin sandwich and everything's going to be okay. Have it with an ice cold Coca-Cola. That's America, baby. Isn't this an indictment 
of our entire American society? Well, you can do what you want to us, but we're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. Gentlemen. Eric, Eric Stratton, attorney at law. Yeah. Um, the So think about this. Your governor, your governor mm-hmm. knows what is about to happen with the property tax crisis. No one refutes it. Mm-hmm. Nobody denies it. The mortgage companies are already sending out information to homeowners. Mm-hmm. We're going to be playing multiple people here in the voicemails that are talking about it. And yet his focus is on the state sandwich. <laughs> yeah. I, look, I, I didn't vote for this guy, so I don't I don't have to own this. I don't have to explain this. But you tell me if you voted for Eric Holcomb, you call our hotline right now. You own it publicly. Step up and be a big boy or girl. 317-684-8444. And you tell me why our governor mm-hmm. working on a state sandwich <laughs> is more important than the property tax crisis. Hey, you want to get some voicemails where people talk about how much they're about to be taxed out of oblivion? Yeah, we're going to get to that next from 93 WIBC. I'm so sorry you have just reached my Wait, wait, wait. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? I just realized this. Today's the 5th, right? January 5th, yes. 1-5. Yes. Do you know what happened on this day 50 years ago? I am... It's not Elvis's birthday. No, it's not Elvis's birthday. You can keep your Christmas lights up Is like three more days. Rupert Holmes It's the birthday. 11th day of... <laughs> Christmas. Oh my gosh. I am I I am I'm just mortified at myself that it just now dawned on me what happened 50 years ago today. 2 weeks away from my birthday. What? What ha- are you going to tell us? 50 years ago today. Yeah. Greetings from Asbury Park. The debut album for Bruce Springsteen was released on Columbia Records. Oh yeah, that's oh, wow. one of the albums that turns 50 this year. Today. There's, there's a whole mess of them. We should review that list later. Yeah, we absolutely should. I am just beside myself that we didn't do (laughs) Greetings from Asbury Park as the bumper music all day. Well, now we have a theme for the rest of the day. I just, I'm terribly sorry. I did not mean to interrupt your your, uh, trending stories. I'm terribly sorry. The floor is yours. Yikes. (laughs) Kevin, get on that with some music, okay? Uh, Here's some trending stories this morning. Adam Kinzinger, after leaving Congress, will now join CNN as a pundit. Oh, (laughs) So basically, it's the same job. Well, didn't they just go- Fewer people watching. Let's find the one guy no one would want to watch, <laughs> and he'll fit in perfectly here and at that's CNN. that's our guy. Also trending, the star from the movie Romeo and Juliet from years ago is suing Paramount for child abuse over nude scenes. The film was made in 1968. What do you think the uh, statute of limitations is on that's that? That's a great question, right? Like, And at this point, mm-hmm. shouldn't you have Move had on? to kind of just either- put up or shut up on that? I mean, I mean, what is that? That's 50, 55 years. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was that big of a deal to you and you thought a crime of some sort had been committed. Wouldn't you've come forward sooner? Right. Yeah. Also trending, the Golden Globe Awards are being held next week and Jamie Lee Curtis and Tracy Morgan are listed as the headliners. They're going to be presenting awards. Does anybody 
watch no. a war. No. no. <laughs> I mean, that's no. your area of expertise. <laughs> no. I knew you were going to ask that question. The answer, no. All right. It is 20 minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and 317-684-8444. That is our phone number, and it is time to get to you and your voicemails. All right. So, we got so many good calls. Uh, we're going to do two segments of voicemails. And the first segment I want to dedicate to property taxes okay. as, again, our governor is out worried about naming a state sandwich. He's figuring out a way to <laughs> spend hundreds of millions of dollars to give, air quote, free textbooks because apparently he struck a deal with the textbook ferry that for a price of a couple hundred million dollars, the textbook ferry will deliver, air quote, free textbooks. Uh, but nothing, even though he knows it's happening, it will affect millions of people across this state and nothing. And so at least people are waking up and people are being proactive in trying to figure out what colossal damage Holcomb and the Republicans have done to their tax bill. Take a listen. You know, uh, I live on the Near East side of Indianapolis, and there's a lot of talk from people who identify as left about gentrification and things like that. Well, the way I see it, and from my experience working with some clients that live in the area, what you call gentrification is solely caused by property tax. I've got clients that bought their house 30 plus years ago in my neighborhood for $16,000, $20,000, and now they're being taxed out the rear end to a point where they are inevitably paying more on property taxes than what they did on the original price of a home. So, that's my big issue with that whole gentrification argument. It's not because people are coming into areas and building nice houses and trying to revitalize dying neighborhoods. It's because when that's happening, because we aren't a free market, we have a government intervening, they are raising the property taxes, which is what's causing people to not be able to afford, whether it's a landlord not uh, having to raise their rents on tenants because they can't afford the property taxes or people who've owned those homes for years but now can't afford because of property taxes. It's always caused by that one source, and that's the county assessor and our government. So, like the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, look, again, spot on. I mean, there's nothing to say to that. We've talked about using my dad as an example. Mm -hmm. Lived in the same home for mm -hmm. 36 years. It'd be 37 years. The people who live across the street from them, him have been there 45 years. The people next to them, 45 years. The, those people have not made any money off of that house. Let's use my dad as an example. Okay, well, it, how would you fund the schools? Okay, well, I went to school, if we've lived in that house for 36, going on 37 years, I went to school for, to public education for 13 years. Mm -hmm. So 23 of the 36 years- He's been paying into the schools. That, that have no kid in school. Right. Does, that kind of sounds like a, you know, you pay and then you end up getting nothing back and people keep taking- and you keep replenishing based on more people paying or you run out of money. Kind of sounds like a Ponzi scheme, doesn't it? It almost, it feels like the property tax should be at a point when you initially purchase the home. Yes. This is the total simplistic way to solve this issue. Because if the goal, now the, it is not the goal of the Indiana Republicans, but if the goal was to protect people, the elderly, the middle class, the people on fixed incomes, being able to stay in their home and affordable apartments, you would say, look, you will pay the property tax at the point of sale. Mm -hmm. So you will pay tax on this home. You will pay, you know, whatever number we come up with, 5%, 7%, whatever. And so you're, you know, if you sell a home for $300,000, well, then you're going to pay 
you know, whatever 7% of $300,000 is. So the government is going to get their money, but we're going to protect people while they are in their home. Republicans don't want any part of that. They've got a big old plan for free textbooks for everyone. Well, I was going to say, they got to get those free textbooks somehow. They got a big old plan for the state sandwich. But Jim, you know, it's amazing. This is when, when, you know, go back to this thing with Jim Lucas, where, well, people are working very hard behind the scenes. How do you know nothing's going on? Well, when it comes to spending colossal amounts of money, yeah, there's, there's a big, work going on. There's a big press conference. They announce that the governor, you know, has meet and greets about it. But when it comes to saving you money, well, we're working very hard. Just trust mm-hmm. us. We can't, we can't give you the details right now, but you, you better just trust us. Give me a break. All right. Uh, another call about the uh, property taxes. Uh, yeah. My parents' house went up um, I, I was looking at Realtor and just looking at house prices and you can actually go to a home that's already sold on Realtor and look at what the assessment value is and their home went up by like $120,000 um, and next to it it gives the estimated uh, property tax payment and the number was off and I couldn't understand why I was like well that's not 1% so I divided it out, and I got 1.2%, and I couldn't – first, I couldn't figure out why. Then it clicked in my head. The referendum for where they live, for the school district, is $0.20. Cents. So that's where it's getting the 1.2% because it's adding that, uh, it's adding that into the, the payment. So, so, yeah, so yeah, re- people who think referendums don't make a difference and what you pay in taxes or it's not that big of a difference – uh, it's hundred. I'm not going to say the exact amount, but it was hundreds of dollars per uh, per year that goes into my parents' property tax payments because of the stupid referendums. And people are so blind and don't care around here about it. They just keep doing it, keep voting for those referendums, but and they don't care. Casey, you can maybe describe what I'm doing here for uh, people who can't see on the radio. What am I doing here uh, right now? Got your feet up yeah, on the I'm counter. Just, uh, I'm kicking put, back. Yeah, I'm putting my feet up. I'm kicking back. Because, you know, Casey, I've worked here for six years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the entire six years I've worked here, yeah. I have tried to warn the people of central Indiana about what was coming about what was going to happen to them with these stupid, unaccountable referendums if you just kept blindly electing these Republicans. Mm -hmm. I tried and I tried and I tried to warn people about what was going to happen, and now it's about to happen. And it's too late now because I can promise you the Indiana General Assembly is not retroactively rescinding your property tax bill. So it sucks as a homeowner that I'm going to get punished for this, but whether it's referendums or the Indiana Republican Party or the flawed assessment process, I've been talking about this for six years, and if people would like to send their I'm sorry letters, you can send those to 40 Monument Circle, <laughs> Indianapolis, Indiana, 46204. You could also include in the in the card, Rob was right, or whatever you want to say. <laughs> I did my part. One thing I'm not sorry about, though, is that Kurt Darling in the news <laughs> is next. All right, that's on the way from 93 WIBC. Good morning. Madman drummers, bombers, and Indians. Is this from the album? This is the first song on the first album. Mm-hmm. This album turns 50 years old today. Isn't that amazing? Bruce Springsteen. Like certain things are, certain things are timeless, and you picture them. And sorry, I'm just so distracted. This is so lyrically awesome that I'm trying to have a coherent thought. Just give me a second. Some old hot hat shot was in for a hot spot snapper. 
so much better than the Manford Man version. Yeah, this is uh, very groovy, too. Yeah. Greetings from Asbury Park Church, 50 years old today. Yeah. All right, Kevin, you're going to have to spot it down because I will I will just comatose here and we will not have a show because I will just be too into listening to it. Isn't it interesting, though, you mentioned, so think there's a whole bunch of stuff that turns 50 years old. Yeah, there's a lot of albums that turn 50, uh, Dark Side of the Moon is yeah. one of them. And, and, and I always thought this about, I think this about like people and stuff, you, you, certain people and things or whatever, you never picture them being old. Like the Rolling Stones are colossally old. They're always, they've always been old. But you, but you just don't picture them being any different than than what they are, right? And it's like, to me, Bruce Springsteen is old. Mm-hmm. He's 73 years old. Mm-hmm. And yet for people that are fans, and obviously I was not born when the majority of his, what you would call his prime, but I experienced that later. He is forever that young guy, that wild maniac guy playing for three and a half hours on Greetings for Asbury Park. Yeah. And it's weird to think that, not just him, but the album itself is 50 years old. Uh, Bob Seger's Back in 72 is 50 years old this month as well. Turn the page. We've, ta- we've talked about this before. Remember that one? I heard this years ago from a, you know, Kevin and I have the mentoring program. Mm-hmm. The person who was mm-hmm. my, my mentor who used to take me for brews at the local watering hole after radio gigs. Yeah. And he told me years ago, and this always stuck with me, he said, Rob, he said, from 1969 to 1974, some of the greatest music in the history of the world was written, and you had almost every influential, at least from a rock and roll perspective, artist performing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that sounds absurd, but if you think about it, the Beatles were still active. Obviously, the Rolling Stones, the Who. The Doors. The Doors, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, early Led Zeppelin. Uh, and then you have, obviously, you know Rod Stewart, Elton John, er, very early Bob Seger, Bruce Springsteen. You know All of these guys, in this incredible five-year soup, were together and performing at a super high level, and that is amazing. And that's when FM radio was huge, musically. The album-oriented rock format took off. Yeah, there's a great documentary, and I'm trying to think of what the exact name of it is. It was done many, many years ago in Indianapolis for public television called Rock Radio Wars, I think is the name of it. Mm -hmm. And it was about the growth of radio in Indianapolis and how the rock radio format came to be and the great battles between WIBC and what, what was Wife at the time and and uh, the bu- it was the buzzard back in the in the early 1970s 93-1 this very frequency we're on now you know it was, it was cool I was watching it with my dad and he he was telling me he said man I, he grew up in Terre Haute and he said I remember it was so cool my buddy had an FM radio antenna on his house. And he could pick it up. And he could get the buzzard mm-hmm. in Terre Haute on this very frequency. And so it is fascinating, right? I mean, how much music has meant to so many people. And if you think about it, it all came out of that little five-year stew mm-hmm. where all these people were active at the same time. Somebody said to me the other day, when something turns 60, it becomes irrelevant. Really? Yeah. Who said that? Uh, that our, is- our boss, Matt Hiblin. So there's this theory that once something turns 60, it becomes irrelevant. And a lot of these albums, Aerosmith, Dream On, turning 50 this this year. Deep Purple, 50. Uh, let's see here. So here's, 60, here's another one. Uh, and Elton John, Crocodile Rock, and Daniel turning 50 this year. So 60 would be, 60 would be 1963. 
So right. if something was 1963 or before, it has become. I don't because like Elvis is still relevant. Exactly. I yeah, I mean the the Beatles were active mm-hmm. in 1963. Obviously, the British invasion 64 was was Ed Sullivan, but yeah. but the Beatles were active and becoming big in 1963. So, so collectively, we're not subscribing to that notion. No, that- Matt, no, Matt Hiblin is so wrong. Hi, Matt. <laughs> He's right down the road from us. Hey, let's get to these uh, phone calls. It's uh, 10:37 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. We've got uh, lots of people who want to express their opinion on Kevin McCarthy. Can he do it? He's expected to huddle with uh, fellow Republicans on Capitol Hill this morning. They're going to reconvene at noon today and restart the voting process. So if you're, I, because I know Jim Banks people listen and or Jim listens uh, and Victoria Sparks or whoever, every every Indianapolis, Indiana Republican representative should listen to these next couple calls we're going to play because it is where the people are. I don't know what line of BS you're being fed there in Washington, D.C., but the people in Indiana are not with Kevin McCarthy, and these next two phone calls are really good, so I hope you, you take stock in them. I think it's absolutely amazing we have 20 brave American politicians willing to finally stand up and do what they were sent to Washington to do, which is to fight the establishment. Now, since Kevin McCarthy is so convinced that he should be coronated into the Speaker House, just like Hillary Clinton should have been coronated into the White House, these 20 individuals, every time McCarthy forces a vote, one of them should cross over and vote for Jeffries until either A, McCarthy finally steps down because... He's one vote away from losing, or B, Jeffries actually becomes Speaker of the House. Because, frankly, Rob, I'm with you. I could care less who is Speaker of the House as long as it's not McCarthy. I uh, talked about this conversation I had with a respected member of Central Indiana who shall remain nameless because I would not dare risk subjecting this person to being known that they publicly. Uh, being known publicly that they associate with me. I told this person that last night. I said, I would absolutely, if I were a member of Congress, I would vote for Hakeem Jeffries. Just to make a point? I'm not screwing around here. And if you want to keep screwing around, you're going to end up with that guy's Speaker of the House. And he said, well, how could you let Jeffries be Speaker? I said, because he would do less harm than Kevin McCarthy. And here's why. And it's the exact reason I've said Indiana would have been far better off with a Democrat governor than a Republican governor, because if Hakeem Jeffries were Speaker of the House, there would still be more Republicans than Mm -hmm. Democrats, and it would give them someone to theoretically fight with. We all know when Kevin McCarthy becomes Speaker, the Republican body will roll over and play dead for Kevin McCarthy. Republicans would be way more Republican, just like here in Indiana. If there were a Democrat governor, the Republicans would behave like a Republican because they would have someone to fight with versus rolling over dead for Holcomb. I would absolutely, if I were in Congress, walk over there and vote for Hakeem Jeffries. Why does Kevin McCarthy want the job so desperately. Power and the money. Right. Why do they all want it? Exactly. Because he saw what happened to Nancy Pelosi's financial situation. Absolutely. All right. We got another really good call on Kevin McCarthy. Just want to touch base on them not being able to pick a speaker of the house, which I'm okay with. As long as it's not Kevin McCarthy, I'm tickled to death. But what's up with all these other house members doing interviews and Oh, this ain't the way we should have started at the year. We should have started the year leading so we could fix these problems like border crisis and unaccountable spending. I mean, when has either side ever fixed any problems? They just create problems. And unaccountable spending? And I'm 60 years old. That's been going on from both sides as long as I can remember. 
that's one of the reasons we're in the situation we're in. I mean, it's just the same old stuff, and I've talked about it, and you've talked about it. Until we get rid of the two-party system and career politicians, there's nothing going to get done, fixed, or changed. It's just going to be the same thing that's been going on for decades, just rinse and repeat. Anyway, love the show. Keep up the good work. It is. It's like the back of a shampoo bottle. Wash, rinse, repeat. Now, I am, I am making this statement uh, to Jim Banks and Victoria Sparks because they were the only two I had any hope for. Jim Baird was a total zero in the Indiana House of Representatives. He's been a total zero as a U.S. House member. Accept it. Never voted for him. Won't ever vote for him. I know what he is. Mike Pence's loser brother, we all know what he was with the Keel Brothers Oil Company, where he left taxpayers with a big old fat bill to clean up his environmental mess and that local bank holding the bag on a whole bunch of paper. I know what he is. Professional office hopper Aaron Houchin down in southeastern Indiana, who quit on her constituents in the middle of session, I know what she is. I don't expect anything good from them. But if Victoria Sparks and Jim Banks told me they were going to be different, they were going to go and be there for the people, I promise you, whether they're listening right now or their people are listening right now, because that always happens. I could flood this radio station tomorrow with phone calls just like those. If we opened up that voicemail box and said, you only call about this, I could play an entire show of people just like those two people. The American people, the people of Indiana, do not want Kevin McCarthy. And you both want to run for U.S. Senate. And the number one thing you could do right now, even if you don't actually give a damn about these people, which I'm convinced that's probably true right now. But even if you don't actually care about these people, the number one thing you could do for your own prospects is to roll out there on vote 7, 8, 9, 10, however many it takes, and be a leader and say, I'm out on Kevin McCarthy. Hammer's coming up next. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIVC. Good morning, it is 1045. What is this? It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Yeah, you weren't ready, so I played I was looking for Hammer. I have no idea where Hammer is. I know, I I was looking for him too. (laughs) I was running around the office. Let's see, nope, nothing. Um... (laughs) Well, let's table the hammer. Hammer says, "Is he running in?" No. I've got. We've That's actually, not him either. <laughs> no, that is definitely not. Uh, that is, oh, there, here he comes. Uh, <laughs> Yay! Hey, we, we, we were concerned about you. We were very nervous. We were very nervous that maybe. Oh, I see. He had to stop at Taco Bell. Well, we thought maybe you had to run in with Smart Bob Siegel choice. in the lobby or something. We didn't know. <laughs> no, normally it's like 1048 yeah. before I stroll in here. Well, so. we wanted to give you more time, and we see that was a highly egregious uh, decision here. And uh, But we're glad you're here. How are you doing? Man, I'm great. I'm feeling good. I think I look good, but I always look good. So thank you. <laughs> I wanted to start with something that is right in your uh, wheelhouse, which is sports betting. And you sent me this yesterday, and I thought, because the national championship game is Monday. Yes. College football national championship, TCU mm-hmm. versus Georgia. Georgia. TCU, a heavy underdog. It's depending on what book you're at, 12 and a half, 13 points, something like that. What's the most you've ever bet on a single sporting event? $500. I would have thought it would have been higher. Yeah, but I will not confirm nor deny there were multiple games at $500. Okay, all right. Because um, back in the day, you used to have to go to Vegas or have a guy. Yeah, you... Yeah. And <laughs> or have a guy. Yeah. I wanted mm-hmm. to get my money's worth back then, right? So if you're going to, quote unquote, either break the law here or go out to Vegas where you've had to fly and get a hotel room, you want your money's worth. So you bet big on a lot of games. You almost... 
famously got divorced because your wife found out how much you had bet on a game and it wasn't looking in your favor. That was the Monday night miracle game between the Colts and Buccaneers where Peyton Manning had the greatest comeback in the fourth quarter. And that was a $500 game. And um, the Colts were underdogs in that game. So after the miracle happened and I won, it was a big payout because I had Colts on the money line. And you uh, famously, I think you told me, ended up, because there were some very big Buccaneers fans around you, ended up running around the casino holding your ticket up, waving it in their faces. So I was at the Mirage in Vegas, and everybody in the Mirage had on their Keyshawn Johnson jerseys, (laughs) their Warren Sapp jerseys, just the worst piece of human (laughs) trash alive. You know, and I'm just a geek. I got my Colts hat on, you know, and I'm feeling down and beaten. You know, the Bucs are blowing out the Colts. So I go up to the the room, you know, I'm showering. We're getting ready to go out on the strip for a night of more gambling. And, (laughs) you know, and uh, at this point, I still haven't told Mrs. Hammer how much was riding on the game. Oh, she had no idea. No, just go down there, have fun. Come on back. We'll go to the strip. Sure, yeah. Okay. Okay, Clark Griswold. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Once I when the comeback started happening, I told the coupon lady what was going on here, and her response was simple: "You better bleeping win." Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the reason I mention all of this is there is a guy we've talked about him before in Texas, and his uh, stage name, the name he goes by, is Mattress Mac. He owns a very large, I think it's a multiple, right? Like I think there's a, a chain or whatever throughout of Texas beds, mm-hmm. furniture store, whatever in Texas. And he famously, when there is a Texas team, whether it's for the Super Bowl or the World Series or college basketball or the, the NCAA football, he will bet exorbitant amounts of money on that Mm -hmm. game. And Mm -hmm. usually he ties it into some sort of, this is actually a marketing, genius marketing move. Right. He ties it into some sort of promotion with his store, like uh, the Astros to win the World Series. And if the Astros win and you bought a mattress for more than $3,000, the mattress is free. So really he's playing both sides. He can't really lose. Right. He's a pretty savvy business dude, but he's also a salty old SOB (laughs) because- There's video of Mattress Mac in Philadelphia when the uh, World Series was going on, and he's there rooting for the Astros, obviously, and he's going back and forth with Philly fans who are pretty salty themselves, Mm -hmm. but there's a little language involved from Mattress Mac, and he's an old man. You know who else did that? Your girl, Kate Upton. She was getting... uh mouthy with someone at one of those games and I thought well that'd be right up Hammer's uh, Hammer's alley Kate Upton is an American treasure yeah. and God bless everything about her is she Verlander <laughs> is that who she's married to is he yes. on the Mets is that right yes and we've had this discussion before and we'll get back to Mattress Mac but if you're a dude and you had to switch places with anybody yeah right you could do a lot worse than Justin Verlander. Millionaire, Cy Young winner, all-star, World Series MVP, and yes, you married Kate Upton. Yeah, you know, Rod Stewart had the song, you know, some guys have all the luck. All the luck. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so here is Mattress Max Wager. And by the way, and you know more about this than I do, I don't think Texas has legal sports betting. So he has to go somewhere in order to bet. And I think normally he gets on some sort of private plane and flies to the sports book. Yeah, to a state that has sports betting. Mm-hmm. Get like a boss, like the million dollar man gets off the plane with a briefcase full of cash so he's taken, you know, however many millions he's betting, walks up to this table, here's my $3 million bet, 
flashes that thing open, places the bet, gets back on his private plane and flies home. Yeah, it's kind of a boss move, and you're right. It's all a marketing ploy. He ties it into his business, and that's how he makes his millions. And now he's playing on profits because he won with the Astros. Yeah, He made a bet before the season that the Astros would win the World Series. Before the season, so the odds were pretty good, and they did. So his bet on the national championship game, keep in mind, TCU, Texas Christian, is a 12.5, 13-point underdog. So, you know, huge. Two touchdowns, basically. He put $2.13 million mm-hmm. on TCU to win on the money line. Now, explain what that means to our non-betting experts. Money line is not a point spread. It's simply who you think is going to win the game. And the money line is based on kind of the odds, right? So if you think Georgia's going to win the game, you don't have to worry about a point spread. You just bet on Georgia to win. You won't even double your money because Georgia is heavily favored. But if you bet on TCU, again, just to win the game, no points involved here, Vegas views them as an underdog, so you more than double your money. Mm -hmm. So if you're putting two, this is not Rob Kendall putting $2 on a 13-point underdog. (laughs) This is $2.13 million, Casey. Mm -hmm. This is Paul Newman color of money, you know, type of stuff (laughs) here. He would win, if he wins, $8 million would be his payout. And that's he, because of the odds, right? But he also he also did do the odds. Yes, uh, one million for TCU plus thirteen, and that would pay out because you get what do they call it? juice? Is that right? Right. You have to give when you do the odds, like the if you take the points, you usually have to give back ten percent to the house, right? Correct. So he would win on that one nine hundred and nine thousand dollars if TCU loses by twelve points or less. So he gets his money back and the additional money. Right. Yeah. So he's all in on TCU. Look, I'm going to make my picks on Saturday on Wish TV, but uh, I'll just say that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Oh, wow. When when was the last time there was a back-to-back national champion? I I think think Alabama did it uh, in the early 210s, I believe. Alabama went back-to-back. It wasn't Florida under Urban Meyer? They went back-to-back, but I think Bama did it most recently. Okay. All right. I, uh... Betting on sports, and this is totally a wheelhouse question for you, betting on sports makes watching sports so much more fun. It does. It really does. When you're financially tied yeah. to it. But I mean, even for someone like me, who if I'm a dollar into it, it gives you a hero and a villain, someone to root for, mm-hmm. someone to root against. Where else for a dollar or five dollars or whatever you throw, can you get three hours of quality entertainment and the options are unlimited really you can bet on players you can bet on scoring totals you can bet on the point spread the money line i mean you can parlay stuff there's so many different ways to do it it's a mixture of playing the stock market and playing the lottery. And I know you're not weed guy, but it comes back to the weed conversation that we had with Justin Swanson yesterday from Bose Public Affairs Group. Mm-hmm. Every time they tell us the world's going to end if something happens, whether it's Sunday alcohol sales, sports betting, whatever, mm-hmm. it never ends. People just have, there are not degenerate gamblers on every corner. People just have fun. There's no there's no downfall to this. It has been phenomenal for the state. And it's the same thing with medical marijuana. There's zero reason that that shouldn't be happening. I remember when the big debate about 
cold beer in liquor stores and cold beer in convenience stores was going on. <laughs> and here in Indiana, our alcohol laws are still completely screwed up. Yeah. Somebody, and I can't remember the representative, came out and said, well, if we have cold beer in convenience stores, out of control teens will be congregating <laughs> in the aisles. My favorite thing, remember, remember when Rickers figured out how to legally sell cold beer? Yeah. They obeyed the law, but because the way the lawmakers wrote the law, that they found a loophole. They opened up at a restaurant. Yeah. Brian Bosma and David Long, who were the Speaker of the House and the Pro Tem of the Senate, I thought they were going to tear hamstrings. They sprinted <laughs> to a podium so fast, saying, we must do something to fix this. Not give you more money back, not make education better, not make the roads better. That was what they. That, that was what got their ire. Have either of you been through a beer warehouse drive through They have them all over Ohio. You, know, you don't even leave your car. I've been through a liquor store drive through Does that count? Yeah, I oh, guess that yeah. would count. Have you ever done that? I have not. Yeah, you just stay in your car, and they're cold, too. The coolers are full, and somebody comes up to your window and takes your order and brings you your cold beer, and you drive off. In Nashville, I went into John Rich's bar on the Strip, right? <laughs> and I wanted to buy some of his house whiskey, because yeah. he makes his own whiskey. And the bartender almost had to apologize to me for their stupid alcohol laws. <laughs> I can pour it for you here, but you can't buy it here. You got to buy it at a liquor store. I was like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm from Indiana. I get it. You can have a liquor store and a convenience <laughs> store side by side. Only one of them can sell you cold beer. What's coming up tomorrow? Uh, this afternoon? Today? You? This afternoon? Oh, You're going to come me, by. Right. We're going to go off the rails. <laughs> He's been doing it all morning, too. <laughs> hey, but before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you. Uh, Ohio gambling, they just made that legal. What did you think about Pete Rose? I think if anybody is going to make the first illegal sports bet in Ohio, uh-huh. that was the right guy. Yeah. But it's also not on par for branding if you're going to say, I did not bet on baseball. <laughs> and the very first wager is Pete Rose betting on baseball. Betting on baseball. Kevin with the greetings from Asbury Park, 50th anniversary. Thanks, Hammer. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I stood up.